everyone, welcome to our fifth and final part of Champions, our review of Norwich City's 2018-19 season. Uh, and this is the part where we all cried and we also all learnt what Mad Dog 2020 is, What's, didn't we? What's that? <laughs> well, oh, you're in for a treat. We're going to save it for the end. We're going to save it for the end. Right. Dee doesn't know. He will do soon. Um, I, I am a Pink and Show and podcast host, Michael Bailey. A very uh, happy whatever day of the week it is to you. It's been quite like that. Uh, and helping us uh, sift through this five-part football miracle is our very own Stato. Uh, and it really was fantasy football. <laughs> I've had to get through a lot of these links. <laughs> it's uh, Twitter's own NCFC numbers, a.k.a. Steve Sanders. Uh, Steve, we've made it to the end and this is the epic bit. This is the epic bit. I don't want to give away the ending. Do you think people know already? Oh, I don't know. They're in for a treat. They're yeah. in for a treat if they don't. So it's all good. Uh, so just so we're all on the same page, uh, we've split the Canary Stunner of a season into five chapters. We've relived each with a different guest uh, at a different venue. We've heard your views, the pick of Steve stats. And now we've got one more piece before the puzzle is complete. And I, I think we can just make out Norwich finishing top of the pile oh giving it away um and what better place uh, to round these off than here of course at Carra road now for the record we are in a different part of the stadium this time so it does count as a different venue that's what we're claiming and i'm delighted to say we are uh, here to put this to bed with former norwich and england striker dean ashton hi dean how are you we've already spoken but yeah good know, thank yeah. you right? i still want to know what that means yeah yeah well mad dog 2020 yeah. <laughs> just you wait you're in for a treat uh can you believe your former club did all this this season? Um, not really, no. Not considering I uh, I uttered the words that they would struggle for to, to stay in the league. Shocking lack um, of faith. I know, I know. But just because of the football last uh, last season, um, I just wasn't sure that it was gonna it was gonna work again, and and they just see, didn't seem to have that that flow going forwards. But I couldn't have been more wrong. <laughs> you weren't the only one, don't worry. Um, do you reckon your lot would have beaten, so say 2004 5 would have beaten this lot? Um, I think we'd have tried to bully them probably. And Kick just, them off the park. Just, yeah. we, to be honest, we just basically, they fired it into me and Leon. We gave it to Hooks and he just did the rest basically. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny, that's exactly yeah. what Hooks says as but well. They, the, um, this team would have played us off the park, I think. They would have passed and passed and passed and passed and I certainly would have tied out pretty quickly. <laughs> I tell you what, you have lived here for a while now. We know it wasn't your home originally, obviously, but uh, do you feel a bit of reflected pride from it all? I mean, you did mention about your shirt, didn't you? I did. I, I didn't know that. I didn't get the memo about the shirt because I would have I brought the. the uh, <laughs> I didn't get it. Yeah. Steve didn't get one. <laughs> no, I think it was last season's third kit, the special one with the sort of Bayern Munich game pattern on it, I think, or something like that. But yeah, yeah. yeah kids bought it for me, but um, it, it doesn't fit. And, and they put <laughs> they put the boss on the back, which oh. I can't wear that. That just looks like I'm big, bigging myself up. <laughs> yeah, I bet you wear it around the house, though. <laughs> just a little bit. Yeah, 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 that's it. Uh, brilliant. All right, well, let's not put it off anymore then, shall we? Uh, and tuck in with uh, a really big night, actually, that kicked all our section off, if you remember where we are. Game 37, Norwich City beating Hull 3-2 at home. Um, it should have been easier than it was, but it wasn't, <laughs> which is, you know, a bit of a recurring theme. Um, but it was, of course, the night that uh, Norwich announced Daniel Farker signed his new long-term deal. We will talk about Daniel in, in a bit, but Steve, that was, a, that was a big moment, wasn't it? Norwich wanted it to generate a buzz. I'm not necessarily sure it did on the actual night, but um, it was important that Norwich secured Daniel's future. Well, it kind of got them fired up from the start of the game. They scored two goals in the first 15 minutes. Well, that is true. Yeah, so, that is. so I don't know, it may have worked for the players, although obviously, as you say, it could have been easier. Um, it was a really nervy game, actually. I remember Leeds and Sheffield United winning the night before and thinking, God, if we don't win this, then we might be reeled in. 
Um, but that start really helped. It was the seventh time uh, in, the, in the last 10 games that they'd scored in the first 15 minutes. So that was kind of a bit of a continuation of the way they've been playing. Um, and yeah, it wasn't that easy. Chris Martin obviously scoring towards the end, but they got the job done. It was funny because earlier in the season, obviously, as we've said, the, the, the theme was that they were coming good in the second half and then they sort of did suddenly find this trait of actually getting themselves ahead which I guess probably came with the confidence in it at that point uh, definitely yeah I mean I think that was you know they'd won four on the bounce previous to that so it was kind of good timing to announce um, the manager's new contract and and that was when that, that was just around the period that Buendia was just starting to become pretty much unplayable mm-hmm. and the most important player in the in the squad and at that time I was looking at the fixture list as well because of how tight it was and it just seemed like every team we were about to play was either in good form or desperate for the points down at the bottom so um, it was a vital victory actually It was because they were still hoping for a playoff finish I think mm. at that point yeah. weren't they they probably put that one to bed and as you mentioned Steve there was a bit of angst around the crowd wasn't there and um, off the back of the Swansea game obviously where Tim Corby come under a bit of pressure I don't know it was, after this we were probably touching it, it it got a little bit easier but it was yeah probably the the peak of the actual anxiety of where Norwich were and what they could miss out on I suppose yeah I mean there, there were a few kind of angsty fixtures I think particularly at Carrow Road but this was definitely one of the high ones I think because they were in the lead for virtually the entire game and it felt like God if we don't win this we've really let it slip um, just to go back to what Dean said about Emmy Buendia I know we've talked about him already um, at length on the, the other podcast but um, that touch we have to mention that touch don't we for the oh. third goal um, I, I can either of you remember a bit of individual skill like that from a Norwich player? I mean, Dean may have had some from his time in the back <laughs> of his head, but I can't think of anything that comes even close to that. What, what would you call that? A scorpion backheel flick or something? Yeah, into Pookie's path and then Pookie backheeling it. Yeah. And just nuts. It's a bit too cool, wasn't it? <laughs> it's a bit <laughs> I, too cool. I'll I, I tell you what I remember about it. I remember having my head in my laptop and hearing everyone go, oh. Yes, and I was noise. like, oh, oh, I. I haven't seen it. And one of the best touches ever on this pitch, and I missed it. But there we go. We saw a lot more of Emmy Buendia, of course. Uh, so Norwich went on from there to uh, Rotherham, and where they got pretty roughed up, and, and the hosts dug in, as a lot of Yorkshire clubs tended to do. We had quite a lively time of it in the press box, where the locals were a little bit um, annoyed about how it was all going, and the referee got plenty of, plenty of stick. Um, but Norwich did it, and again, it was Ben Godfrey who really impressed I mean just from that first moment when he stepped in we got the first nod of him at, at, at Ipswich really early in the season at centre-back and that was where the first question marks came about oh maybe he's not actually here to be a holding midfielder um, but the way Ben Godfrey took on the second half of the season just phenomenal um, Incredible yeah I mean you know to think that they, they brought him from York and um I'd actually been in at the football club. Chris Hutton had asked me to, sorry, I'd asked Chris Hutton if I could come in and do a little bit of co- or start some coaching. And but that was just when Bed- Ben Godfrey had just come in, and he was sort of a bit sort of scrawny and and like you say, looking to play holding midfield player. So to then see him this season, I went in um, again to the to the training ground and sort of just went to pat him on the arm, and it was like <laughs> crikey, where you know, and he was solid. Um, and to, to see him come in and keep closer and Hanley out of the team I think shows a massive amount of maturity yeah you wouldn't mess with him I, I think no. I annoyed him at some point later on in the season I still don't know exactly how and I think he's let me know that and I'm like, alright then alright then I could not take him look at, look at, the, look at the size of him he'd snap me in half easily um, but ben, I mean remarkable progression yeah. I mean he's one of those that I was thinking I hope to get to see him this season as well as as well as um, Closure and Zimmerman were doing at the back I was thinking I do hope to get to see a bit of Godfrey and he, um, it's amazing to think he made his first league start for us in the game against Bolton just before Christmas 
played every single minute since then, including in the cup. Hasn't missed a single minute. He's played at um, centre back. He's played at left back. He's played in the back three. He's played in the back two. He seems to be getting a lot of attention now, um, and I'm interested to see what he'll go on to next. But um, the other one, and obviously we've still got this game to come, but that clip of him at Stoke, I don't know if you remember, away from home. It went viral, didn't it? It was, yeah, yeah. It was brilliant. Did, did Jake we, yeah. put it out. Yeah, and, Rio uh, Ferdinand, I think, was showing yeah, it as well. it was absolutely ridiculous. And that just sum, that sums him up, really. And he can pass. And he's a goal threat. Yeah. And he's a goal threat as threat. well, which is, exactly. is so important in them sort of tight games. Yeah, and obviously scored the winner in this one. So, um, yeah, I... He could go from strength to strength. What what an incredible player he looks like he could be. 100%. I think it was a 90-yard dash, wasn't it, in the 90th minute or something. Um, And, yeah, phenomenal what he's done. I mean, I guess he's a midfielder playing at at centre-back. And as I said, just remember that. Remember, because I I went and spoke to Ben Godfrey after his playoff um, final run with Shrewsbury the year. He spent all year playing holding midfield for Shrewsbury fans. Mm. Shrewsbury fans raved about him. And I spoke to him after that and said, so you're coming back to Norwich as a holding midfielder, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, that's really where I want to play. <laughs> um, and then, uh, and then, so that was what we were expecting. And then all of a sudden he is, you know, tried and played at centre half. And I asked Daniel, what, where do you see him playing? Because he's centre half. Oh, well, he could be a very good holding midfielder, said Daniel, but I see him as a world, possibly a world-class centre back. And I was just sitting there going, that's, you're wrong because he's just he played a whole season there and this is why I know nothing about football and I just sit here talking about it instead but I guess he's got all those attributes the confidence on the ball he said it himself as you say he can hit one from a few yards as well yet defensively I'm probably just still learning a little bit in terms of centre back but that's probably the bit you can learn isn't it because he's already got the commitment and desire to block things and what have you as well yeah definitely I mean you say about the Bolton game I thought he was at fault just a couple of times just positionally um, hadn't got things right but look that isn't his natural position he had been playing holding midfield role although centre backs now is pretty much holding midfield role anyway (laughs) they do more they do more playing out with the ball than they do actually defending but (laughs) that's that's now so important if you're going to be a centre back is to be comfortable on the ball which he is um, but also I think he's got that aggression that you need um, certainly in the championship that aggression you need to uh, to keep strikers at bay we have got a veto on talking about anything about next season but as Steve said it'll be interesting what happens yes, next season oh. Um, oh and just yeah so just one more thing yes. uh, about the game so that was the last game that we played against the bottom four our record against the bottom four was played eight won seven drew, drawn one 22 points if you think back to last season bottom four played eight won none drawn yeah. six lost two so that's a swing of 16 points with that swing last season we'd have been in the playoffs is that right? Yeah. yeah yeah. think how far away we were and <laughs> we would have made it so um, it just goes to show beating the bottom teams is, is just as big as beating the big ones it does and it does kind of show that maybe we all sort of lambasted them last season but they probably weren't a million miles away from yeah, things that they should have really been able to do but there we go I'm certainly not going to talk about the season before this one um International break then, wasn't it, after that game? Have I got that right? Or was it after the right, Middlesbrough? Yeah, break, and yeah. then to Middlesbrough. Now, this, this, I don't know, this felt like, okay, I guess they all did at this stage. But what, what a huge win to go and win 1-0 at Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough side that were out of form, but this was kind of last chance saloon and we kept going on about it. Middlesbrough got a chance to did regroup. Did they force you to go and watch that game? I loved it. Oh, God. <laughs> did you? Well, you know, it was intriguing, wasn't it? Uh, I, yes. I mean, yeah. and also, you know what you're going to see, don't you? That's the thing. Yeah. You head there, it's like, this is, we know exactly what we're going to get. I caught up with Johnny House, and that was nice. And he was um, slightly upbeat. And to be fair, Middlesbrough did kind of find a bit of form after this one, didn't they? But um, it felt like a statement win, because I think at that point, it was like, well, if you're going to falter, this might be it now. You've, you've, you've sat on your position for two weeks. You know what's coming. You know how close you are. How are your nerves? 
and they did keep their nerve really well. Mm. Do you not think that's what it's like though? Every single game, probably as a supporter, you, you I always think supporters look at the negative first, don't they? <laughs> so they go, well, this is this this is this is the game because Middlesbrough don't concede and they're going to bully us and you know Tony Pulis with set plays and you know we've conceded quite a few from set plays. You know you, that's kind of what you think, but actually, having watched the game, it was it was actually really comfortable because again like Norwich had done all season they keep the ball and I said to um, I said to one of the one of the guys that was working on the highlights was that if Norwich score they, they win the game it was as simple as that mm. which again I think Middlesbrough scored fewer goals than Norwich conceded uh, pretty much all through the season mm. to be honest but that was clearly the point and I have to say that the level of belief in watching them play all through this stretch of games by this point I had total faith in what they were how they were going about it but what they were doing as well yeah and obviously this was the seventh win in a row so um, you bad. know yeah, you, can, you, can, you can certainly have faith off six wins in a row can't you? if you can't <laughs> yeah. at that point then when can you almost um, convinced they were good by that point yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, like you say it's looking at the negatives again isn't it? Um, this felt it, it in contrast to the whole game, it felt a little bit almost like a free hit because Leeds and Sheffield United had already played that day. That was the day Sheffield United, if you remember, lost to Bristol City when Vyman got the mm. hat-trick. So I kind of thought, OK, we've got a bit of breathing space anyway. And then to go and win, and like you say, Borough didn't offer that much of a threat. We had the Zimmerman clearance off the line, um, and that felt like a key moment in that game. But it felt like we were always in control of it, like we were so many times, and we were playing all the football as usual. And that, that reminds me, we talked about it in the Swansea game, actually, about how the Sky's schedule sort of started fiddling with the dynamics. And I remember sitting in the press uh, press room, press lounge, very nice press lounge, by the way, at the Riverside Stadium now, now. Now they spend a bit of time in the Premier League. Might get that upgrade here. Um, <laughs> um, we, we had the, the games on. We were, we were watching them, watching Sheffield United. You know, I think they threw away, I can't remember now, whether they were two and up. They, they were, it was obviously within their grasp for most of it. can't remember all of this. And, um, you know, that, that was clearly a buzz as Norwich went into the game. So it clearly helped. Um, after that, Norwich were back here at Carrow Road for Queen's Park Rangers visit. Now, you know, it turns out this was actually the win that earned Norwich promotion because they, they finished uh, 11 points clear of Leeds in third and um, they only won 10 more points. So they could have literally lost every other game. That's, <laughs> the, that's the logic. We didn't know that at the time, obviously. Uh, my one little issue here... I guess you always need a bit of the rub of the green to get promotion, don't you? But what, what, what did it do Norwich a favour that QPR were managerless and, and it was John Eustace's first game in charge? Because they were a bit all at sea in that game and they actually improved after this one. Um, I think they were just pretty awful at that oh, point yeah. anyway. <laughs> so I think as long as... I think in them sort of games, I'm sure the manager would have said it's about starting properly um, with the intensity that Norwich had played with this season. If they had done that with the quality and you know the, the front for playing with such confidence it was always going to be a, a three or four nil game they did blow them away didn't they they did and like I said QPR contributed to their own downfall I think Dean's right in the, what he said before about the fact that we, we did come up against teams who were in form at various points of the season so eventually you're going to get somebody that mm. we think oh we're just, we're just taking them on at just the right time so this was obviously eight wins in a row first time they'd ever done that in the top two tiers pretty good eight unchanged as well hadn't done that since 1990 so the same 11 um, I won't roll them all out now but that's going to be an 11 which people remember for years and years to come I imagine just because of what they achieved um, even the red card couldn't stop them um, and on that I think was- I looked at the fails for this game so QPR failed us 25 times we failed them eight times Emmy got fouled six times on his own and he was the one that got the red card. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying it wasn't a bad tackle, but yeah, it was just one of those days for him, I think. Um, well, by the end of it anyway. 
Um, yeah, I, we, as you say, we just absolutely blew them away. And there was a few games like that at Carrow Road where first 20 minutes, half an hour, we were just too hot for teams. And this was one of those, they just couldn't handle us. I mean, Emmy obviously felt the team did need a bit of shaking up, didn't he? Because yeah, you know, yeah. I'm getting bored here. But um, like, it, was a, it was a bad challenge. He didn't really make any contact. The fact that it was in front of the fans and the linesman, I don't think did him any favours. Probably the angle they saw it at. I still maintain a three-game ban for that when, you know, other things. Maybe it's only one-game ban. I think that was... That, that's something that's a shame in terms of the rules but um, it's as good as Emmy is he, he is a little bit like that though he isn't, isn't he he's, he's, then, he's, he's tough because you know like you say the amount of times he's fouled and, and tend to be I think quite bad fouls and not really um, sort of get the, the cards that you would expect for the opposition I think eventually I saw, you saw it a couple of times and he gave away penalties because of it because yeah. he kind of just you know it's almost like he's getting his own back but he's not He's not doing it in the right manner, but I think he's got that real sort of grit about him, which which makes him um, even more impressive. People people call him a winner, which I guess is a euphemism for the same thing, isn't it? That yeah. you know you will just you know do what you need to, I suppose. Which you wouldn't want to take out of his game, would you? Maybe just coerce it a little bit. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. You, again, you you know you you wouldn't want that to happen too often because you don't want a player like him missing missing football matches. No, absolutely not. Have we got any more on Emmy? Or we've done Emmy in the other pod yeah, as well, we, haven't we? We've we've done it. I mean, I just have to, as much Emmy as possible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, from a personal point of view, I I always thought I, I've always said, you know, when anyone said to me, "Who's the most talented player you've ever seen in an orange shirt?" The guy to the left of me for years and years and years, I would say that genuinely. I'm not, you know, I can do the sycophantic thing, but honestly, this this guy was one of the most certainly one of the most talented I've ever seen, and the only since in the last couple of years, Madison and Buendia. Mm. There, and, and I genuinely think Emmy is in that category and again I don't, let's not talk about the Premier League but it'll be interesting to see how far he can go yeah, well, I'll just mention Craig Bellamy before you woof mm. so you forget how I look older than I am Jeez. don't I he's only 12 yeah, he's, he, <laughs> was, he was the best club player I played with Bellas yeah, yeah brilliant. unbelievable and Dean's goal against Man City by the way still don't really know how you did it but we'll just get over that uh Norwich back here, back here at Carrow just a few days later for Reading's visit. Now this, if we were going to go, say, a few games further down the line, this was the one where I was like, oh. Because Reading did a number, to be honest, and they did it very well. And they improved a lot of the second half of the season. They did it with, without Nelson Oliveira too. It finished 2-2. Norwich managed to get themselves back in front in the last three minutes. The roar after that second goal, which I think was Zimmerman's header, wasn't it? Uh, was as loud as the Millwall roar. It was like a proper, oh my God. And then for once, Norwich gave it away in the 96th minute completely needlessly. They kind of just didn't really manage the situation well, which was, which was strange. It did niggle a bit. But, mm. you know, I feel like I'm talking about negatives in such a great run of fun because it was still a draw. But there we go. And again, playing a team that's absolutely desperate, yeah, yeah. desperate for points. I got in a little bit of trouble, actually, if you oh, Norwich fans weren't happy with me because I mentioned about the celebrations after that second goal. And I think they, the sports thought I meant them and the players as such. But it wasn't. It was the... 50 staff that ran on the pitch <laughs> that was sort of saying you know the league's not certainly not won yet and then obviously they conceded because of uh, because of that probably but um, that was the reason there was so so many staff but I think probably everyone felt um, that that goal pretty much would have uh, would have secured promotion it would have done indeed yeah it was a win certainly um, it was a little bit feisty but not as feisty as it would get in a, in a few games time no I, I kind of 
Yeah, it's a shame, really. I, I wasn't so gutted about the draw so much as the fact that that Zimmerman goal couldn't have counted as the winner. That I think we've talked about highlights of the season. I think that would have been right up there, but obviously it was slightly kind of dampened by that really late equaliser. Um, I'm just going to bore you with some numbers now. Never. <laughs> Never. <laughs> if I haven't done it enough already, Norwich absolutely dominated this game. Mm. Reading had four shots, which is the fewest anyone's had since Ipswich were here in February 2017. Two on target, and obviously scored from them both. Norwich had 74% possession, the most they've had in any game this season. 47 crosses into the box. It was ludicrous and how they didn't win it. I mean, I know they had games where they won it at the end and this was a different one, but yeah, I mean, honestly, we were just all over them again, weren't we? I mean, Reading, as you say, did a job on us, but it was one of those frustrating ones where you thought, how did they not come away with three points there? It's so funny because you saw from the first minute they just were not interested in sitting on to Norwich. They just sat in there mm. like, here you go. And in fairness, Norwich generally broken those teams down. Um, should we talk a little bit more about Christoph Simon? We haven't managed to do that over all our podcasts, but uh, remarkable where he has sort of come from and developed. And he was, a, he was a proper leader of this team by the end, wasn't he? He, he certainly was, yeah. And I think, again, a player that, that improved massively over the season. Um, you know, when he first came in, I, I wasn't sure. He's just, he's, you know, if, you, if anyone stood next to him, he's massive, you know. <laughs> and so he's all here. He's yeah, all he, here. Yeah, and he's just a, yeah. And um, I just thought possibly he might, he might struggle, especially, you know, with balls down the side of him um, and, and sort of the Billy Sharp type player with, with good movement. But I thought he improved and improved over the season, took that leadership role on and actually, again, improved on the ball, Um Distribution was was superb. On the ball, Zimbo. On the ball, Zimbo. Yeah, and and Dean took the words right out of my mouth. Basically, just improved as the season went on. I don't think at the halfway stage anyone would have had him down as second in player of the season, given how some other players have performed. Um, but he seems to just be reveling in the captaincy, doesn't he? Hasn't, still hasn't lost as captain. Nineteen games as captain, <laughs> and he's not lost a single one. I mean, that's that's incredible, really. Yeah. Um, Farkas used him more than anyone else. Ninety matches he's played in under Daniel Farker so he clearly loves him and yeah I think you look back at the heroes and a lot of people when we asked for the hero of the season were mentioning this guy and I think it's because of his leadership Tell you what um, we of course uh, as we've done for all these podcasts asked for some of your tweets so uh, uh, let's get some of your heroes of the season says Tom Tribal came in and took us to another level, a huge upgrade on Tetty and quietly went about his job. Craig Thompson says not the first thing that springs to mind, brackets Mario and Zimmerman are obvious candidates, but did we lose a game when Mayor Mad Dog Kenny McLean started for us after his injury? Kelly Whiting has gone for Emmy Buendia for getting kicked and kicked, but just getting up and getting on with it, mostly. Dave Hansel says Christoph Zimmerman. For me, he embodies the whole Norwich project. Unheard of, written off, but when given a chance, has risen to every challenge and has shown to be a class above the rest. Kieran White tweets, I'll give a special mention to Ben Godfrey. You can see the passion in his play and boy did he take his chance after stepping into the team. Closer and Hanley are two great players that he managed to keep out of the team, epitomises what playing for Norwich should be about. The Boys in Yellow says, I think Tim Krull has been inspiring to all at the club, helping build team spirit and acting as a mentor to the youngsters. A lot of work goes unnoticed, I'm sure. Tracy Smith says, I would have to say Rancic scored some cracking goals and has saved us so many times. Should have been in the squad a lot sooner. 
James Christopher says, Pookie, goal scorer, endless work rate for the team, wry sense of humour when things don't go his way, song based on the first music single I ever bought. Hashtag Pookie Party. Ben Walden says, Gotta be Zimbo for being everything that you want a footballer to be, despite being eight foot tall and looking like he just got scouted off a building site. Hashtag Zimbo Appreciation Society. Miles Ford says, Mario, Leeds, Sheffield Wednesday, Blackburn, just made it happen whenever required. Seamus says, Every single one of them. Too many to mention. Uh, apologies as well, by the way, I clearly should have said on the ball CZ because that would have been much better. Um, <laughs> Not to know. I've gone American. Um, after Reading, Norwich went to Wigan, which again was after everyone had played. Norwich took 5,000 fans to Wigan. 5,000 fans. That's a bit nuts. There was a yellow wall, wasn't it? Was there a yellow wall? Which I don't think Borussia no. took kindly to. <laughs> what are you talking about? No, no. What? Add the other 75,000 and you're there. But by the same token, um, Oh, I'm sounding negative again. Yeah, in general, Norwich City is a club that, you know, when there's a big following, they've maybe not quite managed it. Now, in fairness, this point looked a lot better a week later when Wigan went and beat Leeds with 10 men at Leeds. Again, I thought, you know, Lee, uh, sorry, um, Wigan were, were fighting relegation yeah. right in the mix there. And again, I thought, I thought Wigan were absolutely superb in the game and Norwich matched them. And again, could have won the game. Um, the penalty... I'd probably it wasn't a, wasn't a penalty in in my opinion, no. um, having taken the deflection and then hit his arm. But um, it was just one of those games where Wigan are fighting for their lives. And actually, yeah, a point away at Wigan where their home record is is so good. Um, I think they got over ninety percent of their points at home, which just shows that they're they're obviously rubbish away. But um, <laughs> the, but always the negative. But, but, team. but again, again, to go to go there, get a, get a solid point. But again, it was another game without Buendia. And at that point, I'm thinking, he's, this is starting to show how important he is to sort of break teams down. And you need that extra bit of class sometimes to, to break a team like Wigan down. I remember joking when he got, subs- uh, when he got sent off, of course, Emmy can have three games out. Just for the record, everyone, Norwich haven't won without Emmy Buendia in the league, which seems ridiculous given how many games they've won. But surely these next three games, I won't have <laughs> not won without him still. Uh, yeah, so that worked out quite well. Um, there we go. I mean, touched on the penalty, which, which was good. Uh, we'll just note it because Daniel Farker at this point was noting all these decisions that weren't going their way. And we'll come on to that in a moment. Uh, the good thing about that huge following, of course, is that you'd like to think that people who were going to join the club would have looked at that and just get an idea of the size of the club and, and what it would be, it'd be like to join them going forwards, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you kind of like to think that people take notice of these things, whether, whether footballers do or not, I don't know. But yeah, it certainly showed Norwich in a good light and obviously we, the game was on telly as well. Um, it's actually the fourth time in a row that we've been on telly, like you say, been moved around by Sky. Mm. Um, I think, yeah, again, Dean's sort of hit the nail on the head really sometimes you do get these tough games and games look a l- we've had a few of them again this season where you've had teams down the bottom of the league and in, in theory it's looked like an easy game and they've then gone in, on incredible runs I think the nil-nil draw with Hull was just before they picked up it's almost like they play Norwich City and then go alright this is what we have to do then and then raise their game um, and just to go back to Kits uh, first time we didn't win without the green away kit. Was it? Yeah, long green <laughs> one. Yeah. End, I, I, end, of, end of the 100% run, gutted. That kit served Norwich very well, though, this year, certainly. In fact, they wore it a lot more than the white one, I think, in the end, off the top of my head, which probably was, was uh, deliberate. So Norwich then back down here. Um, 
at Carrow Road for Sheffield Wednesday's visit. And by this point, we are, of course, into Easter. Good Friday. Uh, this was Daniel Farkas 100th game in charge. We'll touch on that in a moment of Norwich. It was Good Friday. This was supposed to be the day Norwich did one promotion because it would have been ideal in terms of all the narratives. So it had a whole load of puns. It would have been absolutely perfect, whichever. Uh, sadly, it, it didn't happen. Um, and, of course, Norwich basically were in difficulty because of um, Fernando Forestieri's incredible goal and Stephen Fletcher punching the ball in. <laughs> so, um, and that second one didn't really do Daniel's mood um, much good. This was the angriest I'd ever seen him, I think. And I'm sure he can get angrier, but he, he was angry after this game. Um, I'm not surprised, yeah, um, because I'm, I'm sure he felt as if you know this was the game to do it at home in front of the, the home supporters and, and probably felt like they were a little bit robbed because, again, another game against a team that were, that were in, in fine form um, and got players back from injury, um, you know, it was, a, it, was, it was another tough game. It was, it was annoying, though, because, I, again, I was doing the highlights request and because they pulled it right back, didn't they, to a late game. <laughs> So I didn't get to see. Um, I didn't quite get to see the rest of the second half. But um, again, it was it, it. It showed once again the the sort of character of the team to to keep coming back from sort of adversity. Well, last kick of the game, Mario Vrancic. Next game in warm up in warming up at Stoke, he, he stuck all of his four free kicks <laughs> wide. But man, for the real real moment, just one of the iconic moments of this season to hit a free kick like that and and, and pick up a priceless point they all were F- phenomenal in terms of the mental strength and then just the execution as well mm, you've got a bit of the Vrancic look about you is that what you're he's an, is... he's an incredibly good looking man so I'm definitely taking that I'm just Thanks, talking Dave. about the hair that's, oh, okay. yeah no but um, yeah I mean again another player that sort of has shown his importance and um, and again in, in tight games is where you need your quality players to come up with a bit of magic and he certainly got some magic in that left foot of his could you curl the ball like that uh, I was hopeless at free kicks. It was just all power. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so un- unless it was forty yards out, there's just no point in me taking it. One of those you needed someone to lay it off for you, so you could. Just yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mario would have done that. That's <laughs> what a moment. Ah, uh, I think maybe on balance moment of the season, um, and just what a game as well. Yeah. I think any any other season we'd be talking about that as like this was this was one of the best games we've seen all season. Yeah. It was just another brilliant match this year. Um, Sheffield Wednesday played their part as well. I thought um, obviously the. One fantastic goal, as you said, one very contentious one, but I thought they would really look really good. I think they'll be at force next season. Um, and then, yeah, just that moment at the end, and everyone went just nuts. Up there with Jackson against Derby, maybe. I don't know if it was that good, but like you say, what a free kick. Um, and I know we're kind of talking about, oh, if only, and again, dwelling on the negatives. This is 11 unbeaten, so 25 years since they've gone on a run like that. So oh, yeah. it just, and how close were they to not doing it? Well, 96th minute. Yeah. So, yeah. Last kick of the game, just for all. This place went absolutely nuts. And as we saw, um, the guys were in the uh, concourse, sort of leaving, but just lingering, just in case <laughs> yeah. something happened. And um, I'm sure we'll see that footage. Uh, Norwich, of course, then Easter Monday, so a few days later, quick turnaround. Off they go to Stoke um, with the chance of winning promotion. That was the reality of it. We felt really bad when Norwich drew 2 2, um, and Sheffield United had won, and you know, surely Leeds were going to go and win at Brentford, and, this, and Norwich were going to be reeled in. Oh, no. And then Leeds went and lost to Brentford and all of a sudden it became almost a matter of fact that Norwich were on the brink of promotion. Just a remarkable way a remarkable way to spend an Easter Monday. I don't know if I'd choose it, but it was remarkable. No, again, just again adding to the, to the drama or, or um, heart palpitations, depending <laughs> on, on where you were. But um, again, it was, it's an, that's another good point, to be honest. You know, Stoke 
not exactly great, but hardly conceded a goal. Plenty of nil-nils in, in, uh, in, in a lot of their games. So, again, to go there, to score two goals um, against, a, against a decent side. And at this point, it's just about not losing in effect and I thought that's what Norwich did very very well in these games is if you're not going to win them even though they tried and like you say you talked about the Reading game and, and lots of games where they probably sh could have won the game they haven't lost the game yeah. and it's just so hard when you know that, that extra point is going to mm. mean promotion yeah. you do you do tense up a bit which is ultimately what Leeds did I mean because they, they did lose mm. those games rather than picking they up the fully points. cramped up didn't <laughs> they, <laughs> well, they, yeah, they went out they, they, some would say they fell apart again but not me obviously I wouldn't dream of saying that um, Timo Pukki I mean Norwich did lead twice in, in the game at Stoke uh, it was Timo Pukki's 28th goal of the season his first with his head apparently he always gets one at a club he's just hoping that maybe he'll add to it at Norwich City but is that right he, he always gets one with his head at yeah. a club okay yeah. well, that's only good. one <laughs> yeah let's hope he gets a few more um Norwich don't cross the ball in the air, that's probably well, part that's, of the problem. Well, and that's what I was going to say, is actually, so the Fab Four, Puki, Stephen, Buendia, Hernandez, 54 goals a season. That was the only header that any of them Whoa. scored um, in the league, I should say. I think Stephen got one in the cup. Um, I found that a torturous afternoon, and I don't want to be the negative one on this one, but I found that really difficult. And all the players were just on the turf at the end, yeah. thinking, oh, that was a, you know, this could have been our chance. Um, it was weird, because I think Sheffield United went into the lead very, very quickly. It was 3-0 by half-time. And then, yeah, listening to a really bad TalkSport reception in the car on the way home and hearing that Leeds were 1-0 down and then, I think, 2-0 down when I was in a service station on the way back. Um, and suddenly that everything changed and we were on the brink. Um, on, on the two goals, um, the, the first goal meant that we'd scored against every club in the Championship this season. Oh. And the second goal meant we'd scored against every club in the second half. In the championship this uh, season, not bad. That's phenomenal. Not bad. Absolutely phenomenal. Ridiculous and, and and phenomenal. I did my video report after full time of the game at, at Stoke, and it was quite a miserable affair, to be honest. I actually felt really down after it personally. Uh, and then we did another one from the hotel as we worked away after the Leeds game because we had a little shout in the uh, pool car uh, as the goals filtered through um, from Griffin Park. Sergi Canos, by the way, name etched in Norwich, yeah, yeah. Norwich City legend for not wearing a Norwich shirt <laughs> and doing something great. Uh, so there we go. Uh, we should touch a little bit more on, on Tim Pukki because we haven't really focused on him. I mean, I don't know if there's anything left to say, is there really? I, it, he's synonymous with this incredible campaign. Yeah, well, um, I, you know, the, the, you'd be able to see on screen exactly what, exactly what he's done and, 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 and kind of how amazing that's been. And to think it's his first, it's his first season uh, at this level, his first season in English football, I mean, I'm going to free. I mean, I know that's kind of repeated off so often, but just it, it's absolutely mind blowing. And to think that he wasn't even a first choice striker when he arrived as well, I felt fairly underwhelmed by it. I don't mind saying. I don't know what everybody yeah. else thought, but I, I, I didn't think he's a man who's, who's going to take us out of this division. Um, but it's not just his goals. That's the thing. His movement, um, his ability to find space, his you know laying the ball off and, and holding it up. He's basically been the perfect centre forward, isn't he? What do you think, Dean? Um, I think yeah, twenty-eight goals <laughs> tends yeah. to tends to do that. But what I love about him is one more to come as well. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, what I love about him is that um, you know he's he's never going to sort of model hair gel or anything or fashion <laughs> clothes, is he? He kind of looks a bit rough and ready. But I tell you what, he puts in an unbelievable shift every single game. A lot more than I've seen many many strikers, including myself. And then his job is to get in the box. And the, all right, he hasn't scored. He scored one header, but his movement off the ball, and of course he's got great people to supply him, but his movement's wonderful. But it's that work rate that I think probably 
Norwich fans love him for most. Um, and it's actually um, it's rare. <laughs> it's rare that you get a centre forward that works that hard yeah. and scores the goals. And top ten of championship assists as well. He got double figures of assists. Yes, top is. ten in the yeah, championship. Yeah. EFL championship player of the season. Norwich's player of the season. Norwich's player player of the season in the championship team of the season. Twenty nine goals. That's exactly twenty nine oh, goals. Been the best free transfer ever. I was going to say you'd be. 20, 29 goals per yeah. zero fee. Yeah, Just yeah. Nuts. ever in, ever in English in football. The world. Of anything. <laughs> on, on the modelling thing, do we know if his hair's growing back yet? Do we know uh, well, if that's... I, little a word uh, this might date it slightly but we'll go through it um, I think his wife has said he can't keep the hair for their wedding which is this summer um, but after that he can do what he wants so hopefully <laughs> kick off in doing, the Premier League he was doing that before so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, kick off in the Premier League we want to see the Mohawk back which is why I'm calling it I don't know if that's officially what it is but there we go um, brilliant stuff uh, of course Norwich then um, after that as I said went to the brink they came here against Blackburn the scenes were incredible and Norwich did the business with a 2-1 win against Blackburn that was what they needed to win the game make everyone else irrelevant and probably quite fitting that Mario Vrancic scored the goal that ultimately did it what a goal goal of the season this is what you dream of as a player is that moment when you know you hit the ball the way he did right in the top corner and you just turn around there wasn't much of a celebrate it was just basically I'm the man because no one was no one was near him no, that's why they kept know, backing off just, him that's, you know and I just thought it was such a great way to sort of clinch promotion in, in terms of that sort of a goal, that sort of drama, that sort of roar at, the, at this stadium. I thought it was just brilliant. Yeah. yeah, it was another one of those games where we just blitzed it from the start again at Carrow Road, wasn't it? And scored twice quite early on. Um, the atmosphere was incredible. First, I, I can't remember ever seeing pyrotechnics before at uh, Carrow Road. That <laughs> no, must be a first. Yeah. Um, so, and yeah, obviously it went the way that we all wanted it to. Again, a little bit nervy towards the end, but I think that... I've never known an atmosphere like that one. Um, it's a shame it wasn't a day like today, by the way. It was wet and cold, I remember. Yeah. It was um, uh, we're the only team in the last decade to have uh, had four Football League promotions, so good time to be a Norwich City fan, if ever there was one. Um, and also we scored 26. It was a 26 game we scored in a row. Never done that before. Wow. Um, and uh, just another one to add as I'm, as I'm reeling them off. Uh, most goals at Carrow in the season since 1963-85 right here. So what's that? 56 years. Wow. So again, Ridiculous, yeah. not a bad time to be in Norwich season. Mm. Not a bad time. No complaints about entertainment this season. I think it's fair to say. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, the moment I thought it was going to happen was when in the morning I, did, I realised and tweaked that... Um, this was obviously the chance for Norwich to win promotion here at Carrow Road for only the second time um, in their club's history uh, and only uh, and the first time since 1960 when they did it on the exact same day, yeah. April the 27th, 1960. And as soon as it flashed up that this game was going to be on the same day, I was like, well, that's that then, isn't it? Uh, can't still quite get my mind around why Daniel Farker made three substitutions or two might have been in uh, added time to elongate added time when they <laughs> needed to win. It's like, let's just get it done. But we didn't really talk about Daniel Farker early. We signed his new contract. We should do the little focus on Daniel because um, obviously lots of people played a part in all this, but the head coach to, to mould his tools and to get just such a cohesive productive side out of it just phenomenal yeah I mean there's no doubt that he would have had a big part in the recruitment which has been the key really for the for this season's success but I just thought it took real sort of guts and bravery from his point of view to stick to the way that he wanted to play and believe that it would that he would get it right even at the start of the season when there was there was rumblings not necessarily at the club but certainly outside the club from 
from uh, certainly the media were looking at, you know, is he going to lose his job? Um, you know, they played Ipswich again, wasn't a great game. And you're sort of thinking after that, mm-hmm. you just don't know in, in football. But, you know, he rigidly stuck. This is the way we're going to play. This is how we're going to beat teams. We're going to wear them down with great football and possession play. And we're going to have a cutting edge at the top of the pitch. And, you know, he's he's shown loyalty to a lot of the players and they've rewarded him because of it. Absolutely. Yeah, I think we we talked we talked before about how close he was, um, and he can't he wasn't that far away from losing his job. And I think it wasn't just the way things were going; it was the style of football. I mean, you know, I sit in the south stand over there, and there's often grumble, or there were often grumbles about the way we played. And like you say, he just stuck with it. He was like, "This is you know, this is the way we're going to do it under my stewardship. And if it doesn't work, then it doesn't work." And it's just all come right, hasn't it? And in a, in a huge way. One thing I was going to touch on about Farker was a difference in the number of changes he made between league matches to his starting eleven. So this year he made 43 changes, which is less than one a game, obviously helped by that run of eight in a row. Uh, last season he made 129, that's three times as many. So in terms of the continuity of the team as well, I think he found his settled side this season, obviously with a few changes, but I think he very much stuck with a, if we play well, I'm going to stick with that team. Unless we've got injuries and suspensions, that's my eleven, and you've got to work to get back in. And that seems to have served us really well all season. And again, it might be interesting how that develops next year, but um, in terms of the actual players and, and having his own players, I guess the players he really wanted to, rather than he was still filtering through players that he'd been in- inherited, mm. that he maybe looked and thought, this could be a bit tricky, this. Yeah. So um, there we go. Uh, great scenes, we said to uh, Carrow Road, of course, and what an amazing time and view and spectacle for Norwich to win promotion here. Phenomenal. Well done. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, Norwich rounded it off while at Aston Villa with a 2-1 win. It was the first time they won at Villa Park. You might have this, Steve, since 1992-3, yeah. I think, which I remember well because I hadn't seen Norwich do very well at Villa Park ever. And I was, that was why I spent all year going, don't, don't require anything yeah, at Villa yeah. Park, which they did to win the title. But they, they played so well given, you know, they'd had a few nights of celebrating before. And I know Villa made changes, but by the same token, they had playoff plays coming up. They, had, they would have had players who would have been wanting to make a point. Um, and Norwich had to dig in and, and sort of showed. They did it in style, didn't they? That was the best thing. They, they won the title at one of the cathedrals of English football in style. Yeah, they did. I thought they, they did well to sweat it out in the first half. Um, the, the partying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, then, and then again showed that, that obviously, yeah, you say Villa left out five of their best players, which would have made a difference. But um, again, they showed how well they've just ground teams down, you know, and, and the amount of goals late on after 60 minutes is because they've kept the ball so well and going to places like that, which is notoriously difficult and uh, and just grinding teams down and, and really nice to sort of win the game, um, the last game of the season, not go out sort of losing it. It was then full on celebrations yeah, because of it. It was. Yeah, and actually it's easy to forget that Sheffield United could have caught us as well if had we lost course, and yeah. they won. Mm. So um, the title wasn't, as well, we know that the title wasn't wrapped up, but it, it could have changed. Um, two kind of typical Norwich goals, weren't they? First one was the lovely slide rule from McLean through to Hernandez into Puki. Um, Puki had 16 touches in this game, but the usual thing, didn't touch the ball much, scored a goal. That's what he's done all season. And then the Ranches strike. Uh, which another one from outside the box, three in his last four games from outside the box. And a brilliant performance against a team who could have beaten us, but again, came away with three points. That's the story of the season. Ranchich's goal with his right foot as well. I don't know how many got this season with his right foot. Definitely going to rely on you, don't worry. <laughs> um, uh, and so Mario Ranchich scored the goal, so one Norwich promotion. 
and the title yes. as well. And those celebrations, by the way, I'm sure you'll have seen them. Um, just phenomenal at Villa Park. And I think everyone there will remember those scenes. Uh, long, long, long time. Uh, by the way, I think Kenny McLean was probably sweating out um, the Mad Dog 2020 in that game at Villa Park. Oh, is it, this what it's referring yeah, to? Yeah. It's, it, remember, they obviously had the celebrations with the parade and the balcony. Yeah, yeah, Kenny McLean uh, yeah. holding up orange juice. Oh, well, it wasn't orange juice. <laughs> uh, I don't know what's actually in it, but I'm guessing it's nice orange flavours and something alcoholic. So it's, it's Straight off to buy one now, aren't you, Dean? It did look appetising, if I'm honest. <laughs> I tell you what, uh, that's enough of Mad Dog 2020. Let's have a quick look at the table, shall we? Uh, I don't know how much we've really spoken about the bottom half. We don't need to, obviously, but Norwich fans will look at that and see one of the worst championship seasons um, of any team. <laughs> and um, they somehow managed to finish a below a side who couldn't fulfil all their fixtures uh, had, and are now in a horrible, sorry state with administration and and all sorts, which says, I don't know who that says more about, but there we go. We don't need to look at that half because we can look at the top half where um, Norwich equaled the um, tally that the uh, side in 2003-04 got, 94 points. Yeah, um, scored more. Um, I think goal difference was slightly worse. They oh, That 2003-04 side obviously had an incredible defence, which um, you played with, Dean, um, well, the following season. Mm. Um, yeah, and... Uh, yeah, just just obviously the the, num- the sheer number of um, of points that we got is was a uh, record, uh, the top joint. Well, it was a joint record in the top two tiers in the club's history. Uh, we scored more points away from home than uh, in any other season, um, and then a few unbeaten runs as well. Uh, unbeaten in twenty player uh, games when a German player scored. <laughs> Relevant? I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> unbeaten in fourteen games on telly. Um, and I'm beaten in 10 games south of this ground. We went away 10 times to the, the south and we never lost. What a stat that is. <laughs> it's a good job. All the games are south basically next season, yeah, so well done. Um, well, I think we've talked about how good it all, all was. Uh, I guess just one thing to maybe touch on, the way Norwich have done it, have they changed the landscape in the championship? Do you think that other teams going forward, clubs, chairman, all look at it and go, wow, why do I need to give you 60 million quid? Norwich did it on about six. Uh, yes, definitely. Yeah, I think, um, and especially with Fulham spending what they did going up to the to the Premier League, I think it's made a lot of clubs probably rethink their their structure, um, and that there obviously clearly is a lot of good players if you've got the right scouting and the right eyes to look to look at players. That there is plenty of talent out there that you don't necessarily have to go out and break the bank and pay a huge amount of wages before, which is what Norwich have done before and been stung by it. Mm. Um, and I don't think they'll do it again. Um, and, you know, the assets now that them players are and probably what that would cost if you wanted to come and drag one of them players away from this football club, it would cost you a lot of money. So, yeah, I think probably a big statement to a lot of clubs. I think some of those clubs might find it's not quite as straightforward as it looked either. Um, <laughs> and as far as the championship, will we miss it? Which is always a stri- slightly strange question because we do know how football works. <laughs> um, will you miss it, Steve? Uh, in a way, yes. I mean, next season is so exciting, isn't it? And I think, let's be honest, none of us really would have wanted to be here next year with the way it all panned out. Um, so it's nice to have the, the extra games. It's nice to go into every game thinking we can win this one. But I think we all want to be Premier League, don't we? And next season, it could be another roller coaster. And hopefully enjoy taking it all in. Uh, and that really is a wrap, I think, on a, as good a season as Norwich City have ever delivered, to be honest. It was perfect. And uh, we hope this little series has uh, taken you through exactly how and why it all happened. Uh, 
Thanks, Dean, for coming in. Pleasure. Really enjoyed it. Thank you so Absolute much. Absolutely. I'm just glad I didn't bring that shirt to match yours. <laughs> next time. Yeah. Ne- next time they win yeah, the title. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, uh, of course, a big thank you to all our guests as well who have popped in, as well as the venues for being such lovely hosts. And uh, thanks to Steve for bringing so many excellent numbers to the Norwich City world on here and, of course, all the, and of course throughout the season. Uh, the big question is, uh, do you now need a new spreadsheet? Um, yeah, well, maybe not a spreadsheet. I can go. I can go out and get some sunshine now and get out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm enjoy. I'm going to enjoy that. Yeah, make sure you do. Please do. Uh, we look forward to all that. And uh, of course, between uh, NCFC numbers on Twitter and Pinkin.com, we have definitely got you covered uh, for all your Norwich City fixes. Uh, whatever happens from here, of course, nothing can touch on the incredible scenes of Norwich City's 2018-19 EFL Championship season. The believers. The Defiers, the Champions.